Welcome to the Family Bundle Podcast, the podcast that's for all families if you are single, newly married, raising kids, or empty nesters. There is something for everyone as we look at the joys of families, but also some of the areas that we struggle in. Your hosts today are Michelle Thompson and I'm Matt Garrison. Yes, welcome everyone. We're so glad you stopped by. We have a special guest with us today at Bible Center Church. We know him as our discipleship and multiplication pastor. Mike Graham is a great teacher and a wise leader. And since today's topic is gospel-centered marriage, I'd like to add that he's also husband to wife, Jen. They've been married for 24 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. So uh, I'm glad to be here. Jen and I have been together, gosh, since high school. We met each other and then uh, went to the same college, got married before we graduated, and been together ever since. We've got two kids, Luke and Lexi. They're both in high school, so we're learning a ton about parenting and about being married. Well, we're glad you're here with us on the podcast today, Mike. And as Michelle mentioned this past weekend, yeah, we did talk about a gospel-centered marriage. And we do want to throw a little caveat out there to you all that we have been saying that in this Family Bundle series that we will have something for everyone, meaning all families. So please stick with us if you may have felt that this week maybe didn't necessarily apply to you. So Michelle, uh, as we jump into this, what stood out to you during this past weekend's message? Yeah, our pastor, uh, Matt, talked about just having marriage being centered around the gospel. And at Bible Center, we use 10 great words often. So we did God creates, and then sin breaks, Jesus saves, Jesus transforms, and God restores in light of marriage. So one of the quotes that I liked the best was, God created my spouse just as he wanted him to be. Sometimes I think we think we need to help our spouse change, and I think that's the Holy Spirit's job. What do you think, Mike? I agree. I love the idea of talking about things from a gospel-centered point of view, but I do think it's a confusing concept. I think sometimes we don't even really know what that means when we say gospel-centered. I think it's also kind of catchy, so I hear people say it, and I know they have no idea what that means. So it was nice to slow down and talk about that. Michelle mentioned those 10 words. Um, Also, I think it's important for us to understand when it comes to the gospel, uh, each of us realize there is a point in time, if you know Jesus, where you stopped, looked him in the eye, and said, I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. And in that moment, there was a moment for you and Jesus. And sometimes we start thinking that the gospel is all about us. That's a me thing. But the reality is that the gospel is not just about you. It's not just about me. Is It's a family thing. Everyone who comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior is now a part of a family that God's redeeming. He's redeeming you, but he's also redeeming us. So the gospel is a me thing and it's a we thing. So when it comes to my marriage, I have to slow down, look at my wife, and realize that he is not just redeeming me. He's not just redeeming her, he's redeeming us together. So there's a process that we go through to look more like Jesus as a married couple. Um, It's a beautiful thing, it's a hard thing, but when I realize that we're in it together and Jesus is the centerpiece of it, it helps me tremendously. Great insight, I love that. So we also, we talked about how God creates and created us and our spouse individually, but Pastor reminded us that sin breaks to remember that our spouse is a sinner, we are sinners. I think one of the greatest things in marriage is owning our part and realizing that we are gonna make mistakes and being willing to apologize for that and follow that up with growth, which like as I said before, is the Holy Spirit's job. But what do you think about that, Mike? When when it comes to sin breaks, I we talk about in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve first sinned and how it just broke everything. Mm-hmm. It broke our relationship with God. It broke our relationship with one another. It literally broke the world. But I think we also don't recognize how much sin still lives within our hearts. We're mm-hmm. saved. We're forgiven. We're accepted. We have full right. access before God. Like everything we need, Jesus has done for us. And we're going to talk about that soon. 
but there's still so much brokenness inside of us. So even as I spend time with my wife, my biggest concern isn't how do I change her? My biggest concern isn't how do I get her to be different than what she is? My biggest concern is my own nasty heart. The Bible teaches that each one of us still have so much that's going on inside of us that's broken. Uh, my motives, my intentions, my desires. So in that marriage, if I first always start off thinking I'm the most broken person in this marriage, it changes the way I look at her. Um, I have this increased level of thankfulness. Yeah. I also have this awareness that I should never go into anything with pride or arrogance, assuming I'm right. So it just, it really sets up our marriage for her to come to me looking for my help. I go to her looking for her help. And we're really just two broken people that desperately need Jesus and we desperately need one another. Yeah. So like... Uh, this is one of the areas that really strikes me too, and I think Matt mentioned um, under the third point, but uh, Romans chapter seven, and in that I just I find myself identifying with Paul more than with Jesus at that you know, and, and Paul was just even saying there in Romans seven that look the, the stuff that I want to do, the stuff that I know that Jesus wants me to do, I'm not doing that. You know, it's the stuff that I don't want to do, the stuff that He doesn't want me to do. That's the stuff I keep doing, and then when it comes to our marriage, kind of like we we've, we've mentioned before. You know, with my marriage, at times I really see just how selfish I am. You know, like there's this war that's going on within me. Like I'm, I'm broken. I admit that. And sometimes in the heat of an, a discussion, right, argument, whatever you fight, whatever you want to call it, uh, at times it's just really hard to kind of step away, get out of yourself, if you will, and just think through that, hey, wait a minute. Like, am I really, what am I, why am I saying this? Why am I doing this? Or like, I'm really broken here. And so I... I probably need to stop, listen, if that makes sense. Trying to see it from her perspective. Is yeah, that what you're exactly. Saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, get out of yourself. Yeah, like I know that I'm broken. And at times, you know, like, I, it's hard for me to, to realize that. I think in a perfect world, we, we would all say, and we, we do, I'm broken. Right. You know, my wife is broken. You know, sin breaks us all. But, you know, as we're in conversation, as we're in, you know, and things get a little heated, like to realize, like, hey, I'm broken and... I need to change maybe how I'm talking or thinking about it this way. I don't know if I'm making any yeah, sense right now. Yeah, and in the heat of the moment, we live in a world that everyone fights to be right. Mm -hmm. Everything's yes. polarized. Right. So when it comes to your marriage, being right is restoring a relationship, but it's very tempting to want to win an argument. I love that you referred to Romans because one of the verses I like to think of is that is a different verse in Romans. but. Christ died for me while I was still a sinner. Yep. I can love my husband and my kids while they're still sinners. That's a deeper type of love. Yeah. And when we uh, talk about the next part of the gospel where Jesus saves, what it means is that all of us have full and complete access to the Lord at any moment at any time. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing I can do to separate myself from his love, his acceptance, and the access I have to the Father. So therefore, when I look at my wife, no matter how bad of a day we're having, no matter what she's done, what she's said, she has full acceptance with me. Like that's just mm -hmm. the grace that I've been given is the grace I'm called to give. So within that marriage, it's almost like this uh, way to work out your salvation where what you experience is something that becomes experiential and that you can then give it away to your spouse. So that's one of the questions I always have for myself is does my wife feel like she has full access to me? And when I say that, what I mean is access to my thoughts, to my heart, to my feelings, um, to my decisions, to my intent, to my motivations. Does she have full access to me? And if I'm going to live a gospel-centered marriage, it means she has that with me, and I have that with her, and we know that we're fully accepted before Jesus, and if he's not going to turn me away, then, wow, 
I hope my wife doesn't turn me away. And she knows that I'm going to not turn her away. So it allows mm-hmm. us to be people who still desperately need Jesus, but in that incredible grace, we can go together as broken people sure. and still have full access with one another. Good. So let's ask, let's kind of be practical here for a second. So we talked about having discussions, arguments, right? Because we're all broken, <laughs> it's going to happen. How are ways that we have seen maybe in our marriages or mentors or whomever we've seen out there, like, what are some practical ways that we can, for lack of better phrasing here, fight fair, fight for the relationship and work through some arguments? What are some things that you all have seen or done yourself? Two things come to mind for me. Um, Number one is asking myself, take a moment to think, will this matter in 100 years? because at the end of our lifetime, you never hear anyone on their deathbed saying, man, I wish I would have won that argument. Mm -hmm. No, it's, I wish my relationships would have been better. I wish I would have spent more time with people I love. Um, So that would be one thing I would think of. In my own instance, in my own marriage, Richard and I always say we are completely committed to each other until death. No Mm -hmm. questions like Mike was saying. We just, we have that faith and that trust in each other. So we can be happy or we can be miserable, but we're gonna be together. So let's have a good time, let's be happy. Um, it helps to have that mindset, honestly. Mike, what about you? you have any examples? Yeah, so um, I think my tendency with Jesus is similar with my tendency with people, including my wife. So when it comes to areas where I'm struggling, uh, it might come to even sin or ways I even feel like that I've wronged the Lord himself, it's really easy for me, instead of running to Jesus and saying, I'm so sorry, I'd rather perform or pretend. What I mean by that is my tendency then is just to work a little harder. Like, I'm going to show Jesus how much I love my working harder. Not running to Jesus saying, Jesus, you did all the work. I say, Jesus, watch this. I'm going to work hard for you. Here's my little sandcastle. Um, or I pretend. So I'll do something that really isn't what the Lord would prefer and just pretend like it's not a big deal. Um, I pretend like that sin doesn't really matter, which also devalues all that Jesus has done for me. So that's a model that I have in terms of how I try to say gospel-centered personally with the Lord. So when it comes to my marriage, I want to be thinking the same way. Uh, when I'm with her, I don't need to perform or pretend like I'm something that I'm not. I can just be me. And also, I don't have to pretend like when I hurt her that it wasn't a big deal or she should just get over it. When we live in a world where we have Jesus' grace as the foundation, as the walls, as the roof, and we're living in that house, we can be super open and honest about our sin, about our hurt, about our motives, about our frustrations, about our pain. Um, So on a real practical level, when Jen and I say, how are you? that means how are you? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds weird, but like when we say how are you, Lord willing, we are really jumping into how are you? Um, if I need to confront my wife, Jen, about something that she said to me, which I thought was inappropriate or hurtful or painful, it's a conversation that we can have knowing that there's like what Michelle said, there's a, a level of commitment there that we're gonna mm-hmm. forgive each other no matter what that was. Right. And also when she, and this is what normally happens, is she comes to me about how horrible I've treated her because my tendency uh, is to do that. Um, You said something practical, Matt. Here's something practical my wife does, which I think is brilliant. Husbands, this would probably work with you too. If I'm having an off day and just not connecting with her, Mm -hmm. wherever I am, I'm usually sitting down, I'm reading something, or I'm working on something. She will come over and she will just sit in my lap, take my chin, turn it towards her, and she'll say, are you okay? What's going on? I tell you, when she sits in my lap and turns and looks at me straight in the eyes, there's nothing else I'm thinking about. And then I slow down. I put down whatever I'm doing and we talk. So that is a great way that my wife just slows me down and just redirects my attention. That's great. That's awesome. And so um, as we move on here, so, you know, again, God creates sin breaks, but then Jesus saves. I mean, man, 
if we just stop at sin breaks, I mean, it, it'd be kind of depressing. But kind of hopeless, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Jesus saves us from ourselves, like we've kind of already mentioned as well, saves us from all of our sin. Uh, even, the, again, the sin that we as ourselves bring into the marriage, you know, um, these disagreements, we want our way, we're selfish, um, which I think I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. You know, I think um, that's a common thing. Yeah. I mean, just think like, oh, it's just because, again, before we're married, it's it really is, for All lack of a better phrase, it's about, it's, it is about <laughs> yeah. me, right? It's because I just have to think about me. And then, um, you know, there's somebody else. So early on in marriage, like I had uh, a job and wasn't really going well. Uh, they were promising things, you know, oh, we're going to give you a raise and this is going to happen. And it just, they kept kicking it down the road, down the road, down the road. And so finally, I just got frustrated. So I just quit. I just set my resignation, like, here you go. And then it was after, you know, they said, okay, we'll, we'll accept it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, great. So I go back sitting at my desk. You know, still have two weeks, and it hit me. I'm not alone anymore. Oh, you hadn't like, told your wife? I, I haven't told my – I just oh, did that without wow. even having a discussion. And I'm like, what did I just do? Like, God, like, oh, my goodness, you know, forgive me. And, like, how do I go tell Andrea this now? Like, oh, by the way, you know, I, I got to be looking for a job because I just quit, you know, kind of a thing. So that was kind of a moment where – just realizing that, again, how brokenness, but how Jesus does come and save us. And so obviously he provided for us. We had that conversation. It was a good kind of learning moment there as well for us. What about you all? Like as Jesus saves, what what some th- are thoughts that you have or came to your mind? Well, one thing that what you just said sparked me to think is, you know, every marriage is a journey. Mm-hmm. And like that's a great story now. Like in the moment it may not have been very funny or humorous, but it's it's kind of funny now to think about. And everyone's marriage goes through ups and downs and hard times and good times. And so if you're newly married and something comes up, try to think about it in the perspective of when we've been married 50 years, would we look back at this and laugh? I kind of do that sometimes yeah, in parenting too. Like when you know something needs to be corrected, but in the back of my brain I'm thinking this is kind of really funny or – or it's going to be a great story. We're going to learn something from this. Mm-hmm. If we keep that perspective, I think it's easier to view hard times through that lens. For sure. What you, Mike? I think one thing the gospel helps Jen and I with, too, is just keeping things simple. And what I mean by that is uh, the best thing for my wife is for me to love Jesus with all my heart. Mm-hmm. The best thing so for great. me is for Jesus, for Jen to love Jesus with all of her heart. So um, there's some simplicity to that. And I think sometimes we marriage can get really complicated as we go through life, as we have kids, as we begin to accumulate assets. And I just remember that first year we were married, we were still in college. I was in my fifth year. It took me a little longer than some. Uh, she was in her fourth year, and we were in government housing. We had the worst couches I've ever seen in my life. They were from the 70s. I don't know how many dogs had died on those couches. I mean, they were nasty couches. Uh, we had a cardboard box we used as like our little table in between the couches. We just turned the cardboard box upside down. Uh-huh. Um, I had a beaten up desk that I found on the side of the road and a chair that a discipler had given me for free. And we, uh, life was really simple. We had $35 a week for groceries and we had $3 each a week for fun money. We were in college. We were living off of Pell Grants. We had nothing. And I can tell you, that was one of my favorite years of marriage. Mm -hmm. Life was so simple. Um, It was about her. It was about me. It was about us. It was about falling more in love with the Lord. Uh, over time and honestly the more stuff we have in our life the more complicated it becomes the more distracted we can become so uh, just keeping our mind on the gospel that Jesus saves um, that Jesus transforms just it has helped us a lot in very practical ways like trying to get more stuff doesn't make anything better because either I'm informed by the gospel or I'm informed by culture 
And the culture doesn't seem to really ever help my marriage whenever I start buying into what culture says. But when I buy into what Jesus says, it seems like things continue to be centered and they continue to get better. Yeah, yeah. So uh, under that point as well, uh, Matt shared a quote by Tim Keller. It seems like we're just quoting him quite a bit lately, which is, again, he's a phenomenal. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Phenomenal uh, leader, follower of Jesus, loves Jesus, and uh, it's just awesome. So um, here's a quote. I'm going to read part of it, not all of it. But he says this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. Mm. You know, like that just really resonated with me. Um listening to that, reading it, even right now in this moment, just realizing that the hope that the gospel does bring, you know, like, yeah, I'm sinful, I'm flawed. And if we just focused on that, like we just said, it would be hopeless. We would it be uh, depressing. But, man, because Jesus loves us. And here's the thing, to your point, I think you mentioned, like, performance that sometimes we kind of run into, right? Like, there's nothing that we can say, there's nothing that we can do that's going to cause Jesus to love us any more or any less than he already does. Good point. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Jesus transforms. Again, this is what also is exciting about the Gospels. Yes, he does save us right from ourselves, but he loves us way too much, I believe, to, to allow us to stay the way that we are. Right? He wants us to become more and more like him. Yeah, he, um, he doesn't save us and leave us. He right. saves us and Thank transforms goodness. us. Mm-hmm. And when we're married and we become what the Bible calls one flesh with our spouse, it means that he doesn't just save us and leave us to, you know, good luck with your marriage. Like he's a part of that. Mm-hmm. If he's a centerpiece of our marriage, that means he is he is going to transform us individually and as a couple, which is exciting and scary. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I think yeah. transformation is a hard process. And transformation means from the inside out, not from the outside in typically, which means Jesus is always doing incredible heart work inside mm-hmm. of all of us. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to a marriage, Heart work needs to be expressed in words and communication. So one of the key things I think that we need to be doing with our spouses, just on a practical level to be gospel-centered, is to be talking about our our areas of weakness and growth with our spouse. This is what I'm learning. This is where I'm growing. This is where I'm being challenged by the Lord. This is how this verse is hitting me this way. Because that transformation process now is a team effort, which is awesome. Right. Jesus is on the team, but so is your spouse. So it's really fun to be in those conversations, be working through those stuff together. I like that a lot. I think when we can acknowledge the work that the Holy Spirit's doing in our hearts after we become Christ followers and how God is changing us through His Spirit, it helps us be a better spouse in that we don't have to change our spouse. You know, there's a lot of jokes about out there about wives or husbands changing their spouse, or mm-hmm. I've spent so long with them, I don't want to trade them in for a new model or anything because they're finally getting it. But honestly, when we trust the Holy Spirit to do his job and the mm-hmm. work that he does, mm-hmm. he is transforming us. And if we've walked with Christ long enough to experience that ourselves, it's a level of trust we put in God to uh, do that with our spouse. It's very comforting. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, lastly here, as we talk, you know, like, um, in the message that God restores, that one day everything's going to be made new. You know, um, the hope that that day is going to bring and the wholeness that we will have together. And as Matt shared in the message, you know, uh, there's no marriage in heaven. So, you know, I, I kind of resonated with him a little bit as far as, you know, kind of being disappointed. You know, Andrea and I, you know, aren't going to be married in heaven. But, you know, will we live next to each other? You know, I love that little joke he said. Sarah hasn't really committed to that yet, right? But uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. I, I've said that to Richard before. Can we just be neighbors? Because you're kind of my person. And, exactly. But it'll all be about Jesus. We can't exactly. even fathom what heaven is going to be like. Um, but we want our 
families to be able to have a glimpse of heaven or how God is changing us by the way we relate with our spouses. Um, but yeah, it'll be glorious. So what's interesting is we don't think about this when we first come to know Christ. We look at him and we say, hey, Jesus, I'm ready. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. And we think about today, the fact that things have changed right now today. But also when we say that, we're saying, and I trust you with my forever. Right. Uh, my forever just changed. It just takes time to grow as a Christian to really understand what that fully means. So one day he restores everything. He renews everything and he remakes everything. Those three R's are each powerful in and of themselves. So if we have that perspective, then the gospel isn't just a, that moment in time when I receive right. Jesus. Right. It has to do with my past. It has to do with my present because Jesus transforms. If it has to do with my forever, then it has to do with tomorrow. So the gospel is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if I believe that Jesus is going to be in my tomorrow, if he is the centerpiece of my forever and everything's going to be restored, it creates a perspective for Jen and I to go through tragedy. Mm. It creates a perspective for Jen and I to go through suffering and hardship. If I truly have that hope, then it changes the way I view the hardship in the moment. And sometimes we want to go at things, and I'm not against psychology at all, but we want to try to figure out techniques and ways to manage suffering and hardship. But sometimes the number one thing we can do is we can see this moment in time in light of the eternity we're going to have with the Lord. And that just re, that just challenges our feelings in the moment. It puts things in a perspective that is bigger. So when we recognize that Jesus transforms and God restores, then suffering is not the end of our story. Yeah. It's, a, it's the story of the moment, but it's not the end of our story. The end of the story is glorious. So keeping tragedy in perspective, because if you've been married for a period of time, you're going to go through tragedy. Absolutely. If you've been married for a period of time, you're going to go through suffering. You, your spouse, or both of you. So remembering that God restores helps you work through those hard days. Yeah, for sure. And I think, too, like so practically as well as we, we talk about these things, and all this is, is, is practical, you know, um, having a gospel-centered marriage, you know, like we mentioned at the very beginning, um, that we want to talk about how we can do that practically. So Matt gave some, uh, I guess, practical, I want to say tips, that's the word that's coming to my head, but not, but just things that we can do in our marriage. And so one of them was celebrate the things that are going well in our marriage, right? Because again, if we're honest, sometimes I think we can uh, get negative in our thinking, like nothing is right. And because there's so much that we have to work on or just in our, our minds just go to the things that are wrong in it. I think it's just human nature as well because out of a th- 100 things that happen to us, 99 could be things that are good and there's one thing that didn't go the way we thought or we'd say it, w- it was wrong. And what do we focus on? That yes. one thing there. And so um, it's to celebrate our marriage, celebrate what's right in it, you know, and maybe confess what's wrong in it. So Mike, as you alluded to earlier, it's kind of communicating, right? talking to our spouses, saying to them, um, you know, hey, I treated you this way, or I said this, and I'm so sorry. Uh, it made me think of one time in, in particular that Andrea and I got one of the most heated arguments in our marriage. And do you want to know what was over? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like significant financial stress or anything like that. Computer, this is back in the day, computer cables. Oh. <laughs> You know, like how he had the mouse, he had to have a cable to it yes. to plug in, all this kind of stuff, and trying to move it around the house or wherever we are going to have it, and it just blew up. And it was, of course, my fault. Uh, I would say 90% of the time it is me just being me, being an, an idiot. So I love you, Andrea. But, uh, you know, so, again, confessing what's wrong. Like, hey, I said this. I, I'm sorry. You know, uh, I think helps as well. But then also things that are going well in it. You know, Andrea and I, uh, 
I think are quick to forgive. Usually, you know, we, you know, sometimes we will say, hey, you know, we're kind of tired right now. I want to hit pause on this conversation. Let's pick it back up. Sometimes we don't. Um, we could just kind of end it and then we pick it back up the next day. We don't have to sometimes verbalize that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to talk about this. We just kind of go to sleep. But then we, one of us usually, it kind of begins the conversation again. And we, we always, like you, we said earlier, we're committed to each other. You know, whatever's happening, whatever we're arguing about, whatever, we're going we're gonna to get through it as well. And so uh, I thought that was good. Anything else you guys took away from that, like practical things, practical tips? I do like the celebrate the good because I'm with you in that sometimes I think we take our marriage for granted, Mm -hmm. the security and the Mm -hmm. safety and the joy and the happiness that is there in the foreverness on earth of the marriage and um, just celebrating the fact that, wow, we're 34 years into this thing and that's kind of cool. You know, and um, taking time to be alone with your spouse, date nights, those type of things. But I did like the confess the wrong. And then he also said change what needs to be changed. Yes. So even 34 years into marriage, it, there are still things that we can work on and can change. Our thing tends to be um, tone of voice. Mm-hmm. Like we both know we're okay, but like if one of our children hears us like, you know, or whatever, um, the tone of voice might sound like we are arguing or angry and we're really not so we've been trying to work on making sure our tone of voice actually communicates that I'm not frustrated or what this is just it is what it is and sure. we're good yeah. Um, but yeah that's okay yeah something that I'm consistently trying to work on with Jen is that to be gospel centered I want to reflect that same set of feelings that we have when we walk into the presence of Jesus where we know we're fully accepted mm-hmm. fully loved regardless of the kind of day we've had regardless of our thoughts regardless of what we've done like we are fully accepted in Jesus. So he's our safe place. He's our oasis. That eye of the storm, it's him. As a husband, I'm designed by God to have that same reflection of grace to my wife. I need to be that safe place for her. I need to be that oasis for her. At the end of the day, I want to be the type of person that she comes home and she can smile because she walked in the door. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're here. I get to be with you. So I think for each of us that challenge, and just because I say that doesn't mean that's always true. Sometimes mm-hmm. she comes to somebody and says, "Oh, you're here," and I, and I totally get it because yep. I'm not always yep. that guy. Right. But as we center ourselves more around Jesus and the gospel mm-hmm. and understanding that, I think that's a great thing for each of us to be thinking through: is how do we be that safe place for our spouse? How do we be that place where they want to run into our arms, where no matter how hard the day has been, there's something to look forward to because they're coming home to a grace-filled marriage where they know that they're going to be loved, taken care of. Uh, so if if Jesus died for my sin, Jesus also died for my wife's sin. If he doesn't hold her sin against her, who am I to hold her sin against her? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to forgive in the same way we've been forgiven. And if we don't, my goodness, we are not gospel-centered. Right. So that's why I'm always trying to provide for my wife, and she does a much better job of providing that for me than I do for her. I think that's a practical takeaway, but mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. Like That's a lot of discussions. That's a lot of thinking. I'm 24 years in, and I'm just just getting started sure a lot of this is it's so much easier said than done i think we all you know can attest to that as well like here's the ideal oh yeah i know that's where i need to be but it's the it's the the climb it's just trying to to get up there making sure that becomes reality and again jesus forgives us he knows when we mess up and he offers that grace like you were just saying as well mike and that forgiveness to us so we should be extending that grace and forgiveness to our spouses as well and getting to know our spouse as well Mm -hmm. one of the best things we ever did in our marriage was learning about the five love languages 
I am words. Just tell me I'm amazing and I am good. Richard shows and accepts love through acts of service. Like, he is the most helpful husband around the house, and I do not take that for granted. There was a day I could have. Like, I just want you to tell me I'm amazing and you are, you know, washing the towels or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now I can actually look at him. He's very structured as well, and I'm not quite as structured as he is. So Wednesday mornings, he's putting the towels in the washing machine because that's his thing that he does. But he shows us as a family that he loves us through those things. So getting to know your spouse and what they're communicating, what their love language is, how they love and receive love and give love, it's important because then you can look at your spouse through a whole new set of perspectives. And love them in the ways that they receive it and they yes. know that like, that's, yeah. that's the practicalness of it as well. Like, oh, you're doing this for me, whatever it might be, you know, like the, the acts of service. So you do something for somebody that really is, tells them that you really do care and you yes. love them. And that's, that's really good stuff. So, all right. Well, Mike, we want to thank you for being with us today. Um, yeah, before we go, yeah, before we go, we want to let you know about a really important conference that's going to be happening uh, here at Bible Center called The Pursuit. It's Parenting in a Sexualized Digital Age. The organization doing the conference is called Pure Hope. And uh, when is it happening, Michelle? That's right. It's Friday and Saturday, September 24th and 25th. We would encourage any of our families, anyone in the area that can come, please come. It's going to be great information. If you have a child who's playing sports or you already have plans Friday night or they've playing soccer Saturday morning, come to whichever of the night or morning that you can or come to both. But it looks like it's going to be great content. Great content. And then again, it's for parents, single parents, uh, traditional parents, grandparents, caregivers. You know, it's for, for all of us there Absolutely. as well. You yeah. can get more, more information on our website. There's so much confusion right now for kids. Like, uh, I'm, I'm raising two teenagers, but you don't have to be a teenager to be confused with what's going on. Um, they have instant access to everything yes. in their hand, in their pocket, all day long. And we have people spending billions of dollars to influence our kids. And they're not trying to teach them Bible verses, by the way. No. Um, Instagram is not creating gospel-centered kids. They're creating kids who look at things that maybe they shouldn't be looking at and struggle mm -hmm. with you know, anxiety and stress that they shouldn't be dealing with at that age. So this conference does a great job helping us as parents think through those things. Like how do we actually center our kids around the gospel like we want our marriages to be centered around the gospel? Yeah, so we want to just thank everyone for being with us today. It was so wonderful to have you spend time with us. Thank you, Mike, for being with us. Yeah, um, if anyone you. has questions, they can reach out to us at online at BibleCenterChurch.com. And finally, we ask you to please leave that honest five-star <laughs> review as these help us have that greater impact for the gospel. And seriously, they do help. So have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.